0: You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: Hey, it's Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. I've got my co-CEO and co-life partner
2: with
1: me, Rich Fetke. Hello, hello. (laughs) And um, we're both here today because we've started a new series at Real Wealth called Real Wealth Stories, and we've just been so excited to hear what our members have been doing. We have, what, over... 56,000 members 50, now?
0: A little over 53,000. Yep.
1: Oh, okay. And we'll we've... be
0: 56,000
1: <laughs> quickly. Was yeah. uh, jumping ahead. Uh, but, you know, we've known a lot of these people. Many people have been in the network for uh, some as many as 15, 18 years. So we wanted to just check in and see who's really living the real wealth lifestyle and sharing that with you. Uh, to be inspired.
0: Yeah. And of course, real wealth is, you know, having the money and the freedom to live life on your own terms. So looking for inspirational stories, people are actually making that work or or at least have a game plan and are taking action on that game plan. So they're living life on their own terms.
1: So today's guests were supposed to be uh, Michelle and Kevin, but they have a baby and the baby decided to keep Michelle up all night. So she is sleeping, (laughs) trying to catch up. So we've got Kevin here joining us to talk about how uh, they have got started in real estate and have a dream to build a pretty big portfolio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really good future vision.
1: Yeah. So Kevin, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Um, So what we would love to just know is like first and foremost, what inspired you to start investing in real estate?
2: Yeah. So I was on the early train of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. My dad actually had encouraged me to read it when I was in high school at 16. And he mentioned that he thought there were a lot of similarities between the author and myself. Being rebellious, I put it off until I was about 18. (laughs) And as I read it, a lot of lessons came out that really made a lot of sense. Namely, uh, the lessons that we'd been taught go to school, get good grades, uh, get a good job, buy a house, get married, save for retirement, have kids with everything changing that didn't really make sense as much anymore so I was looking for a way to do something extraordinary with real estate as my vehicle.
1: Okay and so 16 yeah we I don't think our kids have read our books either.
0: <laughs> so, oh Yo, man, I wish I read Rich Dad Poor Dad back then. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too.
1: But 18 is still good. So um, and then it sounds like your wife also, uh, Michelle, inherited some property. And that was kind of a at, at first a big pain in the booty. But then <laughs> um, she learned how to make that an asset.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and it was actually really interesting to hear one of your former interviews with. It was a pharmacist who was doing something out of the Stockton area with university properties. Because mm-hmm. when we heard that, I was like, "Oh, that sounds really familiar." And so when they when they inherited it at first, uh, they really set it up much the same way. Not necessarily university students, but individual room rentals, which allowed for the cash flow. And while that can work, it also can add up to to more work. And as we were talking about our future and wanting to spend more time together, then uh, that became a little more more challenging. And so uh, that made it really helpful to, I I had already connected with you guys before, so we kind of put two and two together and we could have the best of both worlds, we figured.
1: Oh, good, yeah. I mean, at least in the pre-interview, she said, Um, she was busy didn't have the time to deal with this property it was costing money to upkeep and she didn't know what to do they didn't know if she should sell it or rent it so she just rented a couple of rooms just to cover the cost of it while trying to figure out what to do with it and ended up renting all four rooms and cash flowing and that was maybe her start in realizing uh, that was a that that passive income is a a good thing
2: (laughs) yeah definitely and and being able to parlay the good parts of it without all the challenging parts, I think was the really exciting part. Interesting. Yeah. It's
0: like getting thrown into be a coming a landlord. That's what happened with Kathy and me in our first house and we started to rent out some rooms and we're like, Oh, we started to get this thing called being a landlord. And that was kind of our introduction too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. good for you guys.
1: Yeah. It's so what, what you, you said you found it a way to have, have it all, basically. What did you mean by that? <laughs>
2: yeah, we uh, we really liked the passive income idea, which which was one of the things from Rich Dad Poor Dad, and with the California properties too. It's uh, we we are big fans of the show. We listen to to everything that you guys put out, and and we agree with a lot of the same things because we found them to be the same. Where California property, if you've got some of it, then that's that's great right now, but. Yeah, there there are certain challenges to it, and if we can move some of those positive things like cash flow and and further appreciation potential, and um, and moving to more landlord friendly states, then then we can do all of that and have our time back from that. I think that's that's one of the biggest things. Because uh, one of the other things, one of the other takeaways from I've been with you guys for about seven or eight years, and one of the presentations I remember. From one of the previous Dallas teams was, "What's your why behind yeah. why you are investing?" And for us, it's it's certainly retirement for us, but now as we start a family, it's legacy for our family as well. So nice, that's nice. Uh, being able to to being able to put to, to put the time uh, with our family and then giving something to them. I think that's that's really meaningful for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what we're all about is real wealth, you know. And I'm sure you know how we define that. And so and this is a real wealth story. So what is real wealth for you? Like when you look into your future, what is real wealth living life on your own terms look like for you?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And, and we think about it all the time. And, and Rich, I, I actually remember one of your sessions where uh, you had us go through seven or eight categories where we ranked ourselves on a scale of one to 10, uh, personal finance, mm-hmm. um, Romance, uh, physical health, mental health, and so I think that's actually a really good guide for us. So we kind Absolutely. of take stock of of where we are from one year to the next, and I tried to tweak it a little and add a follow a couple of follow up questions on well, okay, well, how can I improve the score by two points next year? What actionable Perfect. items can can we take to do that? And so that's that's really I think where we've we've uh, instead of in lieu of new year's resolutions or uh, anything like that that's really been our big picture compass if you will that's really cool yeah i love the
0: life balance wheel because it like it gives you a snapshot of your life based on how satisfied you are you know not what society says or anyone else says it's like you know you can really trust your gut and just say how satisfied am I on a scale of zero to 10 in this area of my life and go around. So, and it's really cool. Kathy and I do it too. And you you can kind of see, are we in sync or are we off? It's like, is one person a a five on romance and the other person's a nine, you know, (laughs) and you know, different areas you get to check in and see where it is. So good. Good for you. Good. Really good for you guys.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing we've taken away is you're not really going to go from a two to a nine or a 10 in one year. It's just, not really feasible from what we've seen. And even if you do, then your other scores are likely going to take a hit. Yeah, and good, so yeah. that's, that's one of the things that we found doing this over the course of the, the few years. Too.
0: That's awesome. What is, as far as investing as a couple, you know, obviously Kathy and I've been investing as a couple for I don't know, almost 25 years now. Um, what, what are the challenges that you've experienced investing as a couple uh, and how did you deal with those challenges?
2: Yeah, fortunately, we haven't had, we've mostly been on the same page so far, which is great. It is great. <laughs> but I think the Rare. toughest part is when things aren't going as planned. And uh, I think one of the biggest challenges we had was we we partnered with uh, one of the Chicago providers that, that you guys had worked with and, and things weren't going super swell there. <laughs> and yeah, it was exactly. right around the time of our wedding, actually. And, and the costs uh, were adding up. The property was in building cart. And it just seemed like there was no end in sight, and and with the wedding on the horizon plus the cost of this property, it was, it was just difficult in in many instances to just stay sane and positive. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, just going back to what's the why? Well, the why is down the road. This is this is, I guess, what they call experience. Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. I think is the <laughs> is the quote that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, so we've had instances like that where we've really had to um, to lean on each other and to stay positive because sometimes it's hard when things aren't going your way and in those instances, you just have to trust the process, I guess.
0: All right. So it sounds like you kind of lift each other up at different times when the other one needs lifting up, kind of like, let's look at the bright side or whatever. And
2: exactly. That's exactly. Really is, one of you more
0: of the, is one of you more of the analyst and one is more of the go for it, are you similar personalities as far as your amount of analyzing things and all that?
2: Yeah, I think we're mostly in sync. She is; she's pretty ambitious too, which is great. Uh, nice. In our conversations with our investment counselor Leah, she's she absolutely is uh, just as ambitious. And why can't we add more? Let's add more, <laughs> and that's that's great. And and uh, for me, I, I'm just trying to figure out okay, well, which teams, which areas. Uh, one of the one of the criteria i've learned is how long if how long has this team been partners with with real Wealth? i think that's one criteria that we found to be quite helpful because we've seen i've seen a lot of teams <laughs> and a lot of presentations and after a while it gets really difficult to to see what might be good in one team's presentation versus in the next versus the actual reality yeah. and so it uh, just uh, being with you guys for for as long as i have being able to the teams that have passed the test of time—that's—that's that's been helpful as well. But uh, yeah, we fortunately we're both we're both looking to hit the gas pedal. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: So, wh- which markets did you choose, and why?
2: So, the first market that we chose, and I feel like this is a a consistent theme with with the members as well. We were pointed in the direction of of the team in Cincinnati and I never thought that was where I was going to begin my real estate investing <laughs> career but uh, one of the shows that my wife and I are are very keen on is The Profit with Marcus Lamonas. and he was saying one of the things is when you invest you invest in people, product and processes and I think that's a great illustration of how and why so many members have successfully invested in Cincinnati with, with that team and so that's that's how we started, and uh, we we've expanded there a bit. But we also have been plugged into everything you guys have been saying with the growth being in the South and the Southeast. So that's and be, with our with our age, uh, we figured, hey, we could probably up our risk profile a little bit.
0: That's nice. And you guys are early thirties. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, good for you. That's so, great. Yeah,
1: Cincinnati's a great place to kind of dive in and, and learn a lot because it is pretty simple and streamlined. Uh, but what's so interesting about that area is it was on the map for us because of the high cash flow, low prices. So basically high, high rent and, and low home prices. But in just the last six months, there's been such a shortage of homes there that uh, homes are going 20% over asking price, at least in the last few months. So maybe you've, You've seen a little more than cash flow. Maybe your uh, values have gone up, though you're not selling, so it doesn't really matter. But um, you're you're in contract in on four properties in Florida. Is that right?
2: We are, yeah. So we've we've picked up a duplex in Houston. Our the company that I work for actually opened up a second office in Houston last year, and Perfect. between that and uh, and um, just the. Well, for everything that you guys have been <laughs> have been presenting, I'm just like, oh, well, that's just two plus two equals four. <laughs> and so yeah. um, the Houston team, I know, has been around a long time, so it's very easy it decision yeah. to move forward. And then we're actually in contract for one in McKinney in in the greater Dallas area. We actually flew out to Dallas because we really enjoyed the presentation, and as we, it really helped to get an, a better idea of the areas, and that was something that. One one of our learnings certainly walking away was oh well that was a really nice area and we and we saw the property pop up and and we responded within I think an hour or so this was you you know, I think they it. sent out the email on a Friday night and it was during COVID and that was probably the reason that we got it. <laughs> <laughs> gives you an idea how we spend some of our friday nights i guess (laughs) but uh yeah and so we've we've got that one closing and then we we've gone under contract for four more in southwest florida we heard everything about the rising costs rising lumber costs and wanted to lock in the the contracts there and so while those aren't yet to be completed we figured we had to jump on the gun when we did and i'm thankful we did because i've been tracking all the markets all the teams the inventory and it's 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 been pretty dry since about September, October. Yeah, about September or so. So I'm, I'm really glad that um, we've moved forward. What we did. Yeah,
0: that's great. There's been so much investor activity. It's crazy how many people are buying and this. This exodus to the suburbs, you know, out of the cities and into the suburbs, definitely created some major demand. Yep. Yeah.
1: So um, you talked about challenges, and this is really important because people do think that. Uh, that it's just going to be passive income from the day you buy it, and and that's it, never a problem. <laughs> um, it's just it's not the case because we're talking about a, it's really a people industry at the end of the day. You've got people who are your clients who are living in your property and paying you pay, paying off your debt right.
0: for you, and people managing it.
1: People managing it, yeah. Right. Uh, so, what what happened in Chicago? What was the challenge there, and the lesson learned?
2: Yeah, I think one of the there there were certain factors that were out of our control and there were probably a couple of things we could have done better <laughs> so i the team i guess didn't have a great relationship with the city and they came around and had marked our property as not being up to code and they had all these demands that had to get up to code we were able to switch property managers which which did help in the short term but that property was um that it didn't. It, we weren't able to collect rent because it was put in abatement for two and a half years or something, which was, which was pretty rough. Uh, but I think if I were to do anything different, it would really be able to better leverage my investment counselor, the inspection report, and really those two things. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that we've done. Uh, even now, being able to look at the teams and their track records and their histories to try and preempt some of these things, leverage our investment counselors, leverage the other resources that we have. Because even when I get an, expen- an, an inspection report, I don't necessarily know what to make of it, what to do with it. Should I walk away? Should I ask for additional sources of funds to fix this? Uh, what's I, We're still somewhat new to that. So being able to take pieces of information and actually make those actionable um, so I really, really those couple of things uh, to further leverage the resources that we've had. Yeah. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. So to be clear, we no longer work with that team as you Absolutely. know, um, uh, and we learned something too, in that process, which was, you do need to verify that the work that has been done has been approved that that has been permitted. Right. Um, if a tenant lives in a room, that's not permitted, there's some liability there. So We know now that you can you can look that up. You can you can check with the city to make sure that those permits have been pulled and approved for the work that's being done. It's just again, something that people might overlook. Uh, We're putting that on the checklist to make sure that it's not and we've never had it happen with any of our other teams because they get those permits. But um, so we just never knew to check on that. Uh, So big, big lessons there for everybody for sure. And yeah. and on the inspection report, you know, you can always call the inspector too to to go through those items with them uh, to see how bad they are. Sometimes the inspector just has to do uh, kind of cover their you know what's also. So they they want to report anything and everything that they find um, just to, to do their job. But if you call them, you know, they might say, "Oh, it's really not that bad. I just had to report it." <laughs> you know, or or it is really bad, and you maybe need to have it fixed. So that's that's one way to understand the inspection report better.
0: Yeah, and it seems like real estate investing, I mean, any investing is often three steps forward, one step back, you know? So it's like, Kathy and I have been through that too. We've been through very similar challenges that you've had in, in different markets. And had to, you know, do a lot of things to get it up to to code to be to be able to be a, a rental. You know, we had a city come down on us and all that. But
1: we're in the process of it right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, so there's it's, there's like always always seems to be something. You know, I mean, and on the flip side of it, that what we like about it is it's not like some of the stock that we've owned where all of a sudden it's vaporized and there's zero there, <laughs> zero value. Uh, but then there's a, you know, those three steps forward are often good wins. So what about some of the wins? What successes have you had in in investing?
2: Yeah, certainly the experience with the team in in Cincinnati has been really, really smooth. I've referred them to my brother. And so that's been, that's something that uh, has worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Cash flow and appreciation there or? There's some appreciation as well, and actually, one of the first property that I got, I wasn't quite sure what to do with the excess cash flow, so I put it towards the the mortgage. And uh, as a, of course, I, now I know, okay, well, that's we could probably just use that to pick up another property. Uh-huh. But as I was paying that down, it did go up a bit as well, so I was able to do a cash out refi and take that and move that into another property. So that's been it's been really helpful, and it's it they've just been a fantastic team to to work with and and to learn how some things can be done and what property management can and should look like. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a really great process and experience working with them. And so far in, in Houston, everything looks great. And if there's an opportunity to continue to build out our portfolio there, I think it would be, it would make a lot of sense to do that. Uh, and, uh, and with Florida, yeah, Texas and Florida, we're really looking forward to, continuing to expand our portfolio there and we're pretty excited with the the introduction of the Charlotte team as well that was some that was a market that we were, that we we had an interest in as well but we weren't sure if it was too expensive but
1: yeah they have had an enormous response yeah uh, it's a
2: little bit crazy yeah
1: keep up with
0: it Yeah, in a good way nice so what's next for you guys let if we time traveled forward maybe let's say five years where do you see yourself and Michelle?
2: So she has brought this up. So she wants twenty by twenty properties by the time we turn forty, which is right around that that time frame. And with where we're at, if everything closes the way it should by the end of next year, we'll be at thirteen doors. And I think there's a couple of things that we're anticipating that we can invest, but which will allow us to invest more. So I think we'll. We've identified the markets and teams we we've liked to will like to continue to work with, assuming everything continues to go as planned. And uh, we're expecting the opportunity to be able to continue investing um, down that path. So, yeah, I think I think the goal would be 20 doors over the next five years total. And and we'll see if we can get there. And, and I think I know by that point, she'll. She, that's not. We're we're not going to stop there. So, but I, I think <laughs> it's the, a good little benchmark to to give us an idea where, where we're going today. And you both have W two jobs. We do, yeah. And now with with the whole COVID situation and the opportunity to work from home, it, it does make it a lot easier as well. So I actually still work for a technology company in the Bay Area. That's where I grew up, and that's how I came upon you guys. And I had begun working remotely actually July of last year, but I had to still go into the office about twice a month for a few days at a time. And now with COVID, it's it, it'll be changing. But um, yeah, right now both of us are working from home, so it's it works out pretty well.
0: No, oh, you turned it into a
2: blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely come together pretty nicely. Awesome.
1: Very inspiring. So when you get to the 20 properties, um, besides deciding to expand from there, um, will your plan be to pay down those mortgages at that point or just keep
2: acquiring? I think we're leaning towards continuing to acquire, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see at that point. But at the moment, I think it's it's going to be to continue to acquire. If the interest rates remain where they are, then I think it probably makes sense to to continue down that path, because yep. if the interest rates uh, for the non-conventional financing are still pretty low as well, then I feel like in some ways the government is, is giving us the direction that, <laughs> that we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's right. Very good. Well,
0: I'm curious that you've now, now you've been in the game a little while, what do you say about eight years and learning this and actually applying it. So what, what advice would you have for someone who's brand new? Um, maybe they're a W2 employee and they're thinking of getting into real estate investing. What advice would you have for them?
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing I work in, I work training sales folks and I I did technology sales, which was another thing I picked up from rich dad, poor dad. Get a sales job and and use that to uh, to help build whatever business that you would like. Nice. And one of the things we've learned is that in order for folks to adopt something new, they have to acknowledge that they have a problem. And if they never acknowledge that there's a problem, then they're never really going to to take the steps to, to mm. proceed. And so I think the questions I would the questions I would ask is Okay, well, kind of the same questions that you're asking me, Rich, in five years, 20 years down the road, what does the retirement plan look like? Do you want to just continue working as a, in a W-2 job? Because if you do, then that's probably fine. But at what time are you going to want to walk away? I figure that, that there would probably be a point, but there might not be. And at that point, then you begin asking additional questions of, okay, well, how much do you need to retire at that point? How much do you have now? What's the gap? And how would you be able to, to make that up? And I think once you begin asking those questions, uh, not just with retirement, but just the lifestyle that someone wants to live, how much money does that require? How much time does that require? Where where are they now? What needs to change in order for that to happen? Then, then I think you begin forming the foundation for your why. Because as we discussed earlier, it's not that there's a chart that I like about growth and what people think it looks like which is just a linear path right. and what it actually looks like which is a bunch of squiggly lines forwards and backwards and sideways yeah, hopefully and slowly going up <laughs> exactly exactly and so i think that's being able to form the foundation of of the why begins to once you get a strong why then you begin to figure out the how and I think the how is uh, is certainly through education. and love what you guys do. I've referred you guys to friends, family, and colleagues. So, <laughs> Thank um, you. That, but that's, uh, that's also, it's good. But I also know who's going to take action, who's not, because if they don't have a strong why, then the how doesn't really matter as much. It's
0: amazing. And it's also amazing how many people get in that analysis paralysis. They keep, you know, thinking about it. And, you know, even we've had people who've been members for years and they just, they just need to learn a little more before they take action. So I think that's a big one. It's like yeah. setting a date when, okay, this is the date I'm going to take action. And then when that date comes around, not just I'm going to take action in a year because that year always keeps being a year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah and what we've also learned is this, different things will drive different people. And and with some people, uncertainty can drive them. So if they're not sure that... Uh, it, if what their retirement might look like and they have to start taking the steps to evaluate, then at least they're taking those steps. Great. But, that is action, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Nice.
1: Wonderful. All right, Kevin, well, thank you again so much for being here. And it's great to see you, even if virtually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe in person sometime soon.
2: Yep, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for the next event. <laughs> wow. awesome. we, we can't either. We can either. <laughs> Awesome. all
1: right well take care and can't wait to have you back in about a year to hear what you've done since then
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, would love for my wife to be able to join at that time yeah too. that'd be great all, all right, right. Take care. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bye. Nancy. thanks rich
1: and thank you so much for joining us here on the real wealth show you can go to realwealthshow.com to get all kinds of resources and information. There's blogs, there's uh, webinars that we do every week on asset protection and um, tax savings and how to read an inspection report or appraisal report, and also get a referral to these teams nationwide who can help you. They're experts in their area. Uh, They either have their own property management company or they have a really good relationship with one, and they're basically your boots on the street um, that will help you Make wise decisions if you're buying from out of state because everything's different. The rule's different. It's hard to know which neighborhood is is the right one. So again, you can get those referrals to people who have been highly rated by our members at realwealthshow.com. We'll see you next time.
0: (laughs) Bye.